0: again, and welcome to the Gospel to Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I'm your host, Thomas Lemke, and that is... Oh, well, that is...
1: well. You are. I, I, oh, okay, all right. My was... co-host is... I am Pastor Eric Brown, <laughs> and, and okay, I'm going to admit it, I might be kind of harried a bit, because we've just started preschool at, at my mm. church. And so just beyond the walls, I know there's like 16 or 17 wild, crazy four-year-olds. <laughs> so so if you suddenly hear something that sounds like a roaring thunder, no, 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 it's not the apocalypse. It's just preschoolers. So all right. bear that in mind, all right? Bear, bear with us. We'll see how this works. Important Yay!
0: distinction to so, be made there. Good. Uh, your son and, and, is among their number, isn't he?
1: no he's in he's in the other class on the other day. Oh okay. So so we actually have three different preschool classes here. Wow, so okay. I'll, I'll get to do th- I'll get to do chapel three times, which is kind of kind of cool. I, I should be well practiced by that third time. Absolutely. So. All right. By the way, and I'm sure you're happy to hear it. Happy back to school listeners. <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. So but, enjoy your
0: studies for the year.
1: But something better, even than your favorite class at school, is the Gospel of John. And that's where we're at. We're moving towards the end of, of chapter 1. And we're going to get into the call of Philip and Nathaniel. So uh, any, anything else we should do before we dive on in, or should we just jump on in?
0: Let's do. Both feet forward.
1: All right. All right. Okay. You want us to take up at verse 43.
0: All right. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph.
1: All right. Now, did you notice a few things here? We, we get that a, a word coming up twice, found. Okay. Jesus mm. finds Philip, and then Philip goes and finds Nathanael. Okay. In every calling of the disciple, including last week when you had uh, John pointing out Jesus to to Andrew and and Andrew going to get Peter, the folks who are called are passive. It's not a matter of, we were out on a magical quest to find the Messiah, and suddenly we found (laughs) No, It's a matter of, of, yeah, they get called. Well, we'll use this idea of being called or a calling. Um, how does a, just even if we talk about like a, a phone call today, you, you called me on Skype. What happened? You started it and it came to me. Mm. I was called by you on the phone. The point here with this language of calling is that God is the one who is active. And we see Jesus directly being active, calling Philip. And then we see God being active through Philip as Nathaniel is called. Okay. So, so do you see how that works? There's this, this the, the working of God going through us. And this is one of the things that's really kind of neat and profound. God works through us to accomplish his will. It, it's really a, a God thing, and he acts to go to people with his word. And sometimes we're the ones that he uses to proclaim that word, which is kind of a, a neat thing.
0: Now, does that concept have any bearing on the name of the church, Ecclesia
1: by any chance? It does. The The church is the uh, ecclesia in Greek is the word for church. And it literally is those who have been called out um, or, or summoned forth. You could even put it that way. Called, summoned, brought together. Okay, That's who we are. We are those who have had things happen to us. It actually ties into our name, too because not only have we been called, you could say we have been gospeled. We've been given the gospel. We've been given the good... What has happened to, to Nathaniel here? He has been gospeled boldly. Right. <laughs> the, the good news of the Savior has come to him. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And yet, I, I will ask, we'll, we'll carry on, what's his reaction? One of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> if you can read the next verse...
0: Nathaniel said to him, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Philip said to him, "Come and see."
1: Wait, wait! You found the Messiah, and he's from Nazareth. Uh, this is this is a great, sarcastic, disdainful remark. We're used to the town of Nazareth. We're we're familiar with it. Jesus of Nazareth, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Nazareth is not a big place. In fact, it's kind of the sticks. It, it, it's the backwater. Um, Thomas is in Oklahoma. would be like, hey, there's this awesome thing in Purcell or hotel- <laughs> Not even. I, no, I, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, Huh? Hey, there's this great thing in. Okay. Sorry, folks who are listening. Hersher. I mean, if, if I... <laughs> Okay, Hersher's a town of 1,500. I, I'm around 90 minutes from Chicago. If I walked up to people who were dazzling urbanites in Chicago and, and happy of all the, the wonderful things we have in Chicago, and I were to say, hey, man, check it out. There's this awesome guy in Hersher. The first reaction might be, where's Hersher? <laughs> the second reaction, if they knew where Hersher was, would be to say, really? What, what good is that? And so right away you get this 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 pointing out of of Jesus comes in the unexpected way, mm-hmm. and from an unexpected place. If you were wanting to be super awesome and popular, you, you don't have the things come from the backwater. I love baseball. I got to go to a, a, a Cubs game. Hey, what town do the Cubs play in? Chicago, Ooh. right? Yeah, yeah, they're the Chicago Cubs. Pop flag. That was a trick question or something good good. you you know the small catechism and the location of the chicago Cubs. (laughs) there's a reason wrigley field isn't in hersher i love hersher but again it's just you you expect the cubs to be up there in the big place so really you've got nathaniel looking at this saying man what are are you sure because you're you're calling you're telling me that the He's from the the backwater. He's a rural guy. The, this is a small town feller. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Come and see. All so, right. A, any thoughts on that?
0: No, not beyond what you just said.
1: See, I I, I almost feel, since we're nationwide, that I should like put out ra- pull out random small towns in every state. The thing is, I don't know a lot of small towns <laughs> in every state. So, I mean, I mean, this is the which point makes where... your point. All right. Okay. All right.
0: Okay. Next verse, then. Uh, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you.
1: All right. Now, so here you have Nathanael. He, he's kind of agreeing to come along and meet this Jesus fellow, kind of, kind of warily. And as he comes up, Jesus greets him, great, a man who's in, there is no deceit, a straight shooter. You you, you speak your mind, Nathaniel. You don't sugarcoat anything. Well, well wait, you, you don't know. Me. Okay, dude, I, I knew you before Philip even got to you. I, I saw you under the fig tree. Oh, and by the way, I heard, implying I heard the crack about Nazareth. Uh huh. <laughs> you you this playing off of the, the yeah. You've got no guile. You've got no deceit. You're 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 blunt and honest. I I I heard your crack about my hometown. <laughs> I, I, this is what he's play. when when Jesus says this, he's playing off of what Nathaniel has said. So so it, it's you know I I was there, guy. I hate to tell you this. I I I, I heard what you said about me, but hey, welcome. Come along. It's all good. So, So it really is kind of a funny little, little comeback. And this also explains what Nathanael says next.
0: Okay. Uh, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of
1: Man. All right. Now, few things here. Nathaniel puts two and two together because Nathaniel could look around and they had to go walk to Jesus. He was out of line of sight and yet Jesus knew precisely where he was. Mm-hmm. So again, this is, this is that, that, okay, there, there's something divine going on, which is why you have Nathaniel confess that he is the Son of God. Okay. Note, note how we're getting all this emphasis on Jesus being the son of God mm-hmm. I mean that comes all over the place in John and then Jesus looks at them and says you think that's impressive <laughs> you're going to see a lot more than that Just you wait. It's, it's not really about my my being able to like oh, uh, I, I can see everywhere and all that truly truly you'll see heaven opened and the angel of God ascending and descending on the son of man now again Note no, what's going on there. When we see the heavens opened, who's doing the work? God. God Has is. It, it's God is acting. He is bringing things. You're gonna get to see. So we get this. We get this big thrust of, I'm gonna be active. You're gonna get to see what I'm gonna do, and it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna open heaven. It's not just that I'm gonna be able to say, Hey, you're. you're I, I heard your crack, but rather, we're gonna be. Well, I shouldn't say we. I am going to be bringing salvation to the world. And so that's going to be awesome. In fact, uh, can you think of something? In the Old Testament, here's your quiz for the day. Okay. Uh, Old Testament, uh, angels ascending and descending into heaven. Can you think of anything? We'd call that Jacob's Ladder. Right. Right. And it's one of the the beautiful things. Jacob has that that vision of, of Jacob's Ladder. Most often people end up saying oh well i mean this is the way we work our way up to heaven no 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 jacob doesn't work his way up to heaven what does he see he sees the angels the messengers taking running things back up and down it's a matter of god sends his his goodness down to us and so so yeah and what is the actual ladder the son of man, because that's the one who comes down to save us. There
0: you go. Okay. All right. We've got a couple minutes left before the break. And I, I hoping I have time uh, to ask you a couple questions here.
1: Uh Oh, all right. Do your worst.
0: Number one, you see, and I think this ties in with what you just said, if my guess is right, but I'll ask you, you see Nathaniel calling uh, Jesus King of Israel. Normally, like when Jesus is crucified, he's hung. this is the King of the Jews and all that stuff. You hear him called the King of the Jews. Nathaniel calls him the King of Israel, Furthermore, uh, Nathaniel. Well, Jesus says of Nathaniel that he's an Israelite indeed, and not a Jew indeed. Why right. does he? Use, why is the term Israelite being used in this passage instead of Jew?
1: Because, well, okay, David was the king of Israel, and what happens is somewhat. Well, after Solomon, the kingdom splits and all that, and you have the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. Uh-huh. And from Judahs, where really you get more of that language of Jews. So basically, when you have that that Israel and and kingdom of Israel, that's taking the the whole fashion, the whole fashion, whole old fashioned look at at what the the, the people of God were in the Old Testament. They were the Israelites. More so, comprehensive so than just the Jews. Yeah, it's not just this little cultural enclave that you got now around Jerusalem. It's restoring the whole kit and caboodle. It's bringing up everything. Which Also remember, they're up in Galilee, which was north of sort of like a Jewish enclave up north in the old Israelite territory.
0: That's fair. I also would point out that uh, we're talking about Jacob's Ladder here, or, or at least insinuating, and he is, of course, the original Israel, right?
1: And, and what does that mean? It wrestles with God. So yeah, that that's... Awesome.
0: There you have it. All right. Well, we will move on to the break and be back on the other side.
1: And we'll be back with a party. And we are back, and welcome back with us in the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we are We're done with John chapter one, and we're going to move on into John chapter two, one of the more famous parts of the gospel of John, and we'll dive on in. But uh, anything else? Just wrapping up, following up with chapter one?
0: We've had the apostles called and introductions done. So I guess at this point, we're just, we're launching,
1: launching forward. All right. We're going to get a major, major thing coming up here in in John two. So, I mean, this is awesome. All All right. right. Cool. Here we
0: go. Chapter two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine.
1: All right. So here's the setup. We're, we're moving along quickly. And Jesus is there in Galilee, up in the, up in Cana, which is kind of up in the hills. And, He's at a wedding, probably a family member, because, I mean, his mom seems to be helping to run the show, so it might be like his cousin's wedding, or maybe even a sibling, although I doubt it. Because, I mean, his mom doesn't quite seem to be running the whole shindig, but just kind of <laughs> helping out. Right. And, 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 well, she walks up to Jesus and just says, they have no wine. Now, in general, uh, would you expect someone to just walk up to you and if i walk up to you and say thomas we're out of wine at the party bummer why, yeah why why am i saying that to you oh wait wait why why is that a bummer first of all
0: well i mean it's it's part of the party a little bit of wine better for the spirits it's it just
1: not not only that wine is more important In the Old Testament and Jewish culture, or Israelite culture, than it is today. Okay, Um, unless you're maybe in like parts of California, (laughs) wine is the symbol of of joy and plenty. There's never this idea that wine is bad. You don't have that that puritanical alcohol is evil type of thing. Wine is given to given. Uh, wine is given by God to gladden the heart of man. Mm-hmm. Now, can people abuse it? Well, yeah, but we can abuse any blessing God gives. That, that doesn't make the 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 gift itself bad. And especially at a wedding celebration, wine was a reminder of of joy and mirth. And and hey, you're getting married. We're glad. We're hoping the joy and mirth continues on and on. Oh, and by the way, you're out of wine. What, what might that if you're gonna be superstitious what might that imply about how this uh, whole uh, wedding thing is gonna go
0: it, the cup far from runneth over it uh dries up
1: oh hey hey my cup runneth over what psalm is that from
0: oh gosh it's not 22 is it no it's 23
1: yeah it's the <laughs> 23rd psalm <laughs> and, and, and and you know what what would his cup be running over with the wine, of course. Yeah, I mean, this is the idea. that That's the, the joy of feasting. So the fact that you're at the wedding that is out of wine, that would be bad with a capital mm. B. All right? Okay. So just read verse 4.
0: Okay. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come.
1: Okay. This is one where we hear this poorly in English. Thomas, if if your mom asks you to do something and you say, woman, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> Ain't my time yet. How does that sound? Does that sound nice and polite and proper? <laughs> More
0: dismissive <laughs> and derogatory than anything.
1: It doesn't sound dismissive in Greek. It, it, it really doesn't. It's literally, why are you coming to me, mom? And that, that woman is... I'd almost want to translate it ma'am. I mean, it literally is woman, but but it has the uh, the equivalent of ma'am or miss. And one calls mom miss, call him ma'am. Well, m- mom, why, why are you bringing this to me? It's not yet my hour. Uh, okay, mom, I, I know you know I'm the son of God. I know you know that I, I'm going to start doing miraculous stuff, but it's not my hour yet. Now, Here's one of the things that comes up in the Old Testament. There were going to be signs, things that were going to happen when the Messiah came. And one of the things that was depicted of of the messianic kingdom, of of when it's all good, the, the depictions you get almost of the life of the world to come, is that the hills would drip with sweet wine. It would be like a great wedding feast. In fact, think of how many times in uh, Matthew and Luke and Mark you have parables about wedding feasts right that. so basically this is more Mary saying oh looky here we're at a wedding and and they're out of wine I wonder what this could mean
0: huh <laughs> that's not a, a tee up for anything awesome at any level
1: and Jesus is kind of like you know slow it down mom slow it down no no we're're we're, we're we're not in the life of the world to come yet okay just just Simmer on down a bit, Mom. <laughs> and yet I love what Mary does in that in the next verse.
0: His mother said to the servants, "Do whatever he tells you."
1: She doesn't press Jesus anymore. She doesn't. Are you sure it's not your time yet? She <laughs> just kind of walks on over and whispers to the servants, "If he tells you tell to do something, y'all, y'all just go ahead and do it." And then she just kind of kind of goes off. It's this, this very interesting interplay. This does bring up one thing that I do note, about, or at least I would contend about the entirety of the Gospel of John. John has a fantastic sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Do you see how in, in the end of chapter one, I saw you under the fig tree. There's this little bit of kind of humorous undercurrent. Even here with this interaction, it's kind of a funny interaction. Uh-huh. Do you see how it's there? there is a, a joy that, that Jesus has as the Messiah, and there's a joy that John has in telling the stories. Think about it this way. Most people tend to think John was older when he writes the gospel. Have you ever been around the old guy who likes to tell funny stories? Oh, yeah. That's John. Uh, uh, Oh, and wait till John starts dealing with Peter because they'll throw zingers in at Peter just to to (laughs) tweak him. It's great stuff. But anyway, so, so we've got the stage set. Jesus is at the wedding. He's hanging out in the back. He's got a few disciples with him. And Mary's just like, okay, well, Here's the problem, Jesus. I'll just let it sit here and walk on off. And oh, you, you servants, make sure you do what he says. Doo, 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 doo. Fair enough. So any, any thoughts, comments at the moment? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Okay. Then, then carry on. Okay. And if you would read, how about six through eight?
0: Okay. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it.
1: All right. Now, know what he does. Do, do whatever he tells you. All right. Just, just fill up the, the, the water with what? Wait, what, what, what are they filling up?
0: The six cistern things. The, uh, what are they called here? Purification jars of stone.
1: So, so the things that the Jewish folks would use for all the ritual washings, all the, dare I say, ritual baptisms? Yes. Whoa. All right. Okay. So, so take, all right. All right. You, you put water in there. All right. Now now take a dipper out, put in a cup, and go take it to the master of the feast. Now, on the surface, what does this sound like?
0: Sounds like hooey, I guess. It's like, okay, what, what good will that accomplish?
1: Let's start this over. Who is the master of the feast? What, what what is his job? What does he do?
0: Well, I suppose he oversees. He's kind of the organizer, right? The guy who tells the servants where to go. He's the head
1: waiter. He's the head everything. Uh, he's the guy also who does all the quality control and the check. Ah, che- yes. If if you've ever watched any of the shows with Gordon Ramsay where he's cooking on TV and, and always testing stuff before it comes out of the kitchen, uh-huh. that, that's what this guy would be doing. Now, what do you think is your reaction to you say, yeah, here, here's what we have to drink now, and you're bringing the guy water? Mm. Whose reaction would be- Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, in, in fact, if you're the guy who brings the glass of water to the master of the feast, what, what would you expect? Well, okay, if, if he is Gordon Ramsay,
0: <laughs> nothing good.
1: He's gonna yeah, throw I, you I just, out
0: with a ladle after you.
1: He's gonna go apoplectic, and and see the the other thing. Well, ooh, do I get into this now? Okay, I'll get into that in the next section, right, in, after the next chunk of verses. So 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 anyway, this is what Jesus has just told him to do is kind of crazy. We're 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 used to the story. We know okay, he's gonna turn water to wine. These servants had to be. Terrified. Oh, great. We've got this crazy prophet guy. He's going to make us all be teetotalers or something. Oh, this is going to be terrible. All right. So, carry on.
0: When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now.
1: All right. There's a lot going on here. So the water's changed to wine, and what type of wine is it now? What type of wine does Jesus make the best? It's good. Again, you're playing off of Genesis, and it was good. Of course it's good, because he's the Word of God who creates all things, and when he creates, it's going to create good. However, there's more to that nuance of good than just quality. It also implies strength. Um... The guy, the master of the ceremony, runs a party. Now, Thomas, if you're going to have a big day-long party and and there's going to be drinking, how do you manage it? You Um, give everyone a nice, good, strong drink first with the best of the wine, the good stuff, and then what do you do? Well, if you keep giving them strong drinks of good stuff, what's going to happen to the party?
0: It's going to devolve into drunken chaos. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's going to get out of hand. So what the master of the feast did, and this is one of the reasons why he was tasting stuff, is his job was to water down the wine. In uh-huh. the ancient world, you almost always watered down wine. The very first cup might be be strong, but after that, you watered it down because, well, one, the water itself wasn't normally good to drink. Okay. So you, you watered it. You, you cut it with wine to just alcohol, kill off any little bug eater or what have you. Right. And and such, so so basically, the master of the ceremony's job is to make sure no one gets too sloshed. <laughs> okay. I, that, that's that. So he measures how strong's the wine, so we don't get anyone too too crazy. All right. Fair. And so they bring him the wine, and they're the, the servants are probably expecting, oh, he's gonna hammer us because we've just brought him water. No, no. Okay, get get the grunt. Get, get the bride up here, or the the groom up here. Okay, groom, what what were you thinking? <laughs> if you had this, this is the first stuff to use, man. I can't just go and serve this to them now. They'll be sloshed. They'll, they'll, they'll be loopy. I, the servants say I've got 180 gallons of this stuff. Dude, that goes a long way, especially if you start cutting. I mean, wh- what were you thinking? You did it
0: backwards.
1: Uh-huh. No, I mean, <laughs> do you see how this is really kind of a funny story? It but, is. But I've never heard
0: it quite that way.
1: And and this is that, that, that point. You see Jesus doing all things well. Now, let's do verse 11, and we'll start this. This will be a big theme for the rest of the book.
0: Okay. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him.
1: What does a sign do?
0: points the way or, or communicates the truth of some kind about
1: something? It demonstrates the reality. In, in John's gospel, he calls the miracle, what we call miracles, he calls them signs because they point to who Jesus is. This is evidence. This is proof that Jesus is who he is. Now, final quick question before break. Under Jewish law, under the law of the kingdom of Israel, uh, if you wanted to prove something, how many witnesses did you need? two but three would be better so two or th- out of the mouths of two or three witnesses everything will be confirmed hey what do we just have this the first of his signs bear mm-hmm. that in mind we've got witness number one to pointing that this is that Jesus is the son of God this is the public thing alright alright we're good we're good alright Okay. alright we'll, we'll get on to some more trouble that Jesus causes after the break after the inquisition sounds good Now begins the Inquisition. The Inquisition, what a show. The Inquisition, here we go. We know you're wishing that we'd go away. But
0: the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay.
1: and we're back and we're at that part of the show that we lovingly and fiendishly call the inquisition where we will put each other to the test or if you want to get in on this and if you want to put us to the test send in a question leave a little comment on the our facebook page and... so all right so but i think we're just going to torture each other this week there you go so so thomas are you going to go first or am i going to answer first
0: I'll, uh, I'll ask you first and you can answer first. How about that? All right.
1: All right. Okay. We'll do it that way. Do your worst.
0: So this bouncing off of what we were just talking about when it comes to alcoholic beverage. We've had, and I don't exactly know the history of this. Maybe you can fill us in. This kind of um, alternate morality that has grown up around the idea of drinking where you have, you know, it's, it's, it's wrong to drink at all, or it's wrong to drink before the age of 21, unless you're a military service member, in which case it's wrong to drink before the age of 18. And, of course, there's laws and things that have grown up around this as well that are different from, say, Germany to the United States, anywhere else. Give us a proper biblical understanding of the idea behind drinking. Is it wrong to have a sip or two in high school where would you draw some lines of delineation in terms of what a person should have in mind when consuming the drink?
1: We've got two things going on. One, we are citizens of the US, so we must abide by the rules and laws of the US. So no, if you're in high school, you shouldn't go out drinking. Although, if you're at home with your parents and your parents say, yeah, you can have, then then you can have. Now, not if you're out with some other parent, no, don't, don't, don't go drinking to other folks' house. What has happened in the US is that really over the past 200 years, there uh, arose this idea that, that alcohol itself was bad. Scriptures don't say that. The scriptures say drunkenness is bad. Why? Because when you're drunk, you aren't thinking right and you do stupid things. So obviously that's bad. But in the past 200 years, it's developed to where the idea has become that, oh, well, if drunkenness is bad, then all Alcohol must be bad. Well, no, that, that couldn't exist before 200 years ago because alcohol kept you alive. Mm. Um, if, if you think fermentation makes things better in life, uh, in the ancient world, the water supplies were often bad. You used alcohol as a matter of sanitation. You could take water that wouldn't be drinkable otherwise and cut it into wine, and then you could drink it um same thing in, in ancient in 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 europe that that's why you had like your your europeans develop the 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 beers that they did because that's what you could drink mm. without being troll i mean it was um so it's really only until around 200 years ago when you start getting more modern sanitation type stuff starting to develop where the idea of outlawing alcohol would even make any sense, because otherwise we'd all die from botulism or bugs in the water or what have you. Okay. Um, and so what happens is we see a, a good example of overreaction, where where the abuse of something makes people think, oh, we'll go the opposite way and just outlaw it. Uh, Thomas, can people abuse guns? Of course. Yeah. So what do you have? You have some people say, oh, well, we need to outlaw them. Uh, Can people abuse sugar? Of course. (laughs) Do do we have people then who say we need to outlaw corn uh, syrup because it's all over the place?
0: I'm sure they're out there. Uh,
1: So what you have is you had a a big cultural overreaction to it, to to a problem. And really the answer is, like any of God's gifts, when it's used as it's given for, It's a fine thing in its proper time and place. Eh, There's a time and a place for it. Follow the times and places, and when you're not in that time and place, don't. Okay, do you have any follow-ups? Because I'm not sure how utterly coherent that was. Completely, in
0: my opinion. I, I agree, and I think that was good.
1: All right, okay. Well, now I've got a question for you. Okay. And, and I'm going to ask it in terms of advice. So, Thomas, what advice would you give to, to a student who is confronted by a person who just gives them a hard time because they're a Christian? Someone who's constantly just kind of teasing them, mocking them, even bullying them because they're a Christian. What, what is your general advice to someone who finds themselves in that situation?
0: Uh, read... The epistle of Second Peter. Go from there.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, as we're not reading through the epistle of Second Peter on the on the show, what what's the point of Second Peter, and what does that? What, why is that a good place to go look at?
0: Well, best I recall, I, I believe it's Second Peter, maybe First. But um, what you have is Peter exhorting people when people look down on you, when they persecute you because of your faith, etc., Be kind. Don't don't lash out because you're unjustly persecuted because you know what? In so doing, you pour burning coals on their head because you're turning the other cheek and as they ridicule you, um, you imitate Christ with uh, the mouth silent and led as a lamb to the slaughter as it were. Not saying you should let yourself be kicked and beaten and given a swirly in junior high or something like that on account of this stuff. Do defend yourself physically if it comes to that. But the idea is... If somebody's just picking on you, like you were saying, because of your faith, shrug. Be kind. Because in the end, that's a better witness than anything else you could give.
1: I, I'm reminded of Jesus, or when it speaks about Jesus and says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And so a lot of this ends up becoming, you know, we can just kind of go, go, go with the flow. Ride. Be gentle. That's actually a major theme in in the epistles, the idea of you know if you're dealing with unbelievers, just kind of be kind and gentle, and, and you know what, that can win stuff mm-hmm. because you know if you're if if everyone's getting into the free for all and you're not and you're kind of being kind and level headed, that will make them stand up and take note.
0: Yep. So that goes. There's so many I, proverbs about that too.
1: I I did a. A blog post a while ago and it was my my summation for what does Christian living look like and it was Brown's Guide to Christian Living and it was simple don't be a jerk there you (laughs) go there there you go so no that's actually a a good answer when when you're getting picked on when you're reviled hey oh you know remember they did that to Jesus too oh well it happens go show love right good call I like that Thomas okay so, back you in- answered better than I did.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> More succinctly, maybe. But then again, I asked you a longer question.
1: It's not a competition. It's always a competition. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> well, shall we uh, <clears throat> dive back into John then?
1: Yeah, let's go on in.
0: Okay. Uh, so next passage, verse 13. No, sorry, we have to finish 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples and stayed there for a few days.
1: All right, so okay, then he goes off to Capernaum. This is one of the things where Jesus actually doesn't center what he does out of Nazareth. Sounds like he pretty much moved to Capernaum. Of course, I mean that's where you'd want to be. You don't want to hang out in Nazareth. It's podunk. Well, let's get on to let's move on to the bigger town. All right, Sounds So good. that's where Jesus is. Capernaum's close to the Sea of Galilee. It ends up being the main base of operations.
0: All right. Uh, verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In a temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables.
1: All right. Now, suddenly, we'd been up in Capernaum, we'd been by the river. Now, suddenly, it's Passover time and we're in the temple. Hey, hey, Thomas, I've got a question for you. I mean, this story comes up in some of the other Gospels. Uh, Does it come up at the beginning of the Gospels or towards the end? It comes up in Passion
0: Week, so what you would really call the end.
1: Right. This points out something that John does. John is not telling things in chronological order. He's not arranging things in the the, this happened, this happened. He's telling stories um if you and i are just sitting around and and suddenly we we meet a friend and i start telling story i introduce you to a fellow who went to the seminary with me and we're sitting around and i want to tell you stories about our times in seminary
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm not necessarily telling the stories in chronological order right i'm telling them because of topics because of what they deal with of of how they flow the, the story from the fourth year might remind me of something that happened back in the first year, and then I tell that. Right, John's not being ordered chronologically. He's making theological points. That's the way he, he's organizing. And so what we see is, in contrast, just as he comes to bring goodness and joy to the hills, he goes into Jerusalem and to the temple, which should be the highest, most pious, greatest place on earth. And he walks in and he makes a cord of whips and starts beating people. Now, in general, um, I, I love it when you get the, you Christians need to be like Jesus. <laughs> I, I saw a meme where it's like, well, you know, making a whip and beating people is a possibility. No, no, don't go out and make a whip and beat people. Right, But, but wh- why were all these money changers in the temple in the first place? My understanding
0: is that the Roman coins, which were inscribed with the image of Caesar, that is an idol, if you were a pious Jew of the day, were not able to be used to pay the temple um, fees and things like that, for, like your pigeons and your different things that you would use for sacrifices. So you had to use the temple coin, and you had to have money changers to make that, uh, we'll say transfer, I guess.
1: you got to grease the wheels, man. Right. So suddenly, suddenly you see attached to the temple this, this giant business apparatus. And, and what happens whenever money changes hands and whenever goods are sold? Is this all a markup. Just, this is not, I will do this out of love for my neighbor. No, this is what the money keeps rolling in. Uh-huh. And so when Jesus gets to the temple, what does he see? It's profiteering. Yep. It, not not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, like a prophet, this is the word of the Lord, but P-R-O-F-I-T, prophet. Yeah, I, and he... Makes a whip and starts whacking. And what does he say? If you would read 16 and 17.
0: Okay. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me.
1: Again, this is one of the things. This this is Jesus is kind of torqued. It's interesting. You, you you go from the Jesus who makes wine, and the very next thing is the Jesus who comes and stomps. And Two different it, pictures. It, you, you, get, you get, come not in terror as the king of kings, but come with healing in thy wings. You get both of them going on here. Mm-hmm. And he's upsetting people. Man, they thought John was upsetting, but at least John stayed down by the river and told people to repent. Here's Jesus walking into the temple courtyards and, turning over the apple cart, as it were. So, I mean, that's a big thing. And that's, that's what leads into to the next section.
0: So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show for us uh, doing these things? Show us, there we go, for doing these things.
1: Right. You asked earlier about the Israelites. Often in John, when, when he talks about the Jews, he's talking mainly about the folks around Jerusalem and more to the point, the stubborn ones who don't believe. Okay. So that ends up being a little linguistic distinction that, that John makes. And know what they asked for. What sign? What? What's the evidence? And what does Jesus say? He says,
0: uh, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Oh, <laughs> going on. The yeah. Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken.
1: All right. We might want to start again with this next time, too. Okay. But, but note how, how Jesus says, do you want a sign? All right. The sign you're going to get is I'm going to tear down the temple and rebuild it. My death and resurrection is going to be the sign. The proof is in the pudding of the resurrection. And, and, and what gives me the authority to do this? I'm the Savior, the Messiah who dies. I'm the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I rise to give life, and that's the point. And also note that John does show some of the stuff about things not being in chronological order. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, we didn't get this at the time, but we remembered this later. When so he was, we when just he get rose, some yes. of that, that whole moving through. So, so next time, when, when next we meet, we'll, we'll, we'll look at this whole idea of tearing down the temple and building it up. Ooh, the Word became flesh, and what did he do?
0: He dwelt among us.
1: Tabernacle. Right. Free templed among Oh okay. Lots of stuff going on. We'll we'll start up again at this and then we'll we'll carry on. So all right. Sounds, sounds good?
0: good? Perfect.
1: Questions, comments, tomatoes to throw.
0: They can all be placed at uh Facebook.com slash boldly or twittered to a uh, hashtag gospel bold. And yeah. We'll see you next time.
1: All right, have a good one.